0: Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews 6, verse 1, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Father, as we begin this morning in this sixth chapter, it is our unique occasion to come to the chapter, even as we discharge our responsibility at the table of the Lord, how fitting, how fitting that we should receive the beginning of an appeal to grow, to develop, to become mature in Christ to apply, to appropriate, to do something with our faith and our love towards you beyond just the beginning days of repentance and faith. Surely repentance is an ongoing issue in every believer's life as sins are committed along the way. Surely faith is an ongoing issue along the way as we trust you for the application of the gospel again and again. But, Lord, we don't get saved again and again. Saved once, and that forever. And therefore, the appeal that we would, having been saved, having known the Lord, would grow, would develop in Christ, in knowledge and grace, is so fitting For all of us to hear, and to hear, and to hear again. Help us then to pick up on something of the passion of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Even as we prepare our hearts for the fellowship and communion of the Lord's table. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. The commanding officer entered the garage and the motor pool of soldiers' staff popped to attention. Two simple words spoken from the commanding officer's lips sent the men back to work. Those two words carry on. Hebrews 6.1 has a command. The command in the English text reads, let us go on. That could easily be translated, carry on. Don't stop working, don't stop growing, don't stop developing, don't stop maturing. Carry on. Since the words of the phrase are imperative we can easily understand Hebrews 6.1 as our commander saying to us, carry on. Of course, the text is written to the Hebrews. And the writer is saying to those of that original audience, it's time for you to carry on. It's time for you to go on. It's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to carry on. We return this morning to the appeal that is made in the book of Hebrews for spiritual progress, as being the leading thought of this entire section of Hebrews that we've identified previously as an interlude. It is the will of Christ, our commander, that we all would carry on. Before saying a little more about the command, let's first note the connection. The first word of the text, therefore, 6-1, therefore. We've pointed out repeatedly that 510C. Last word of the verse is Melchizedek 620C. Last word of that verse upcoming is Melchizedek. Last week we took a look at the Old Testament text where the two great men of God, Abram and Melchizedek, met. Genesis 14. And when we get to chapter 7 ahead, we will once again be thinking about Melchizedek as he is referenced repeatedly to underscore the truth of the high priestly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. But before the writer addresses the difficulty of speaking such deep thread lines of Old Testament, New Testament scripture, He addresses the dullness of hearing, chapter 5, verse 11, and introduces what we have called an interlude. Previously, we've identified from chapter 5 the symptoms of a sluggish spirit, a lack of spiritual development, possessing difficulty in spiritual digestion of truth. Difficulty in spiritual dexterity or use and, uh, and development of, of knowing how to bring the Word of God to life in you. And, of course, difficulty in spiritual discernment. All symptoms of a sluggish soul. When, police, when people are, are, are professing to know the Lord, but they're not growing. Uh, when they profess to know the Lord... Uh, but they're not digesting Bible truth. Uh, when they, sense that, that, and they say that they know the Lord, but they demonstrate no use of the Scriptures in the daily practice of their lives. Uh, when people profess to know the Lord, but they're dumber than a box of rocks when it comes to spiritual things, they just lack all spiritual discernment. Well, the, those are people that you need to be concerned about. Because it is the will of God, not only that we be saved, but that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we come to a place of maturity. That we come to a place of stability in our spiritual walk with the Lord. Therefore, the first word of the sixth chapter is, therefore. That's the connection. The connection to the former truths, the former things and a continuation of the logic of the interlude as was previously introduced. So the connection made by the word, therefore, 6-1, now brings us to the command, the new command of the sixth chapter. Let's press on. Let's carry on. God wants us all in Christ to grow as to knowing him and living him. I like the words of Robert Gromacki on this particular topic. He writes, Immaturity and indecision go together. A lack of confidence in God breeds instability and spiritual hesitation. The children of Israel manifest these weaknesses at Kadesh Barnea. They paused there and sent in spies because they did not trust God's promise that the land was theirs for the taking. As the children of God, we have responsibility to take the promises of God seriously and to grow in our understanding and living response. It is not good enough to be spiritually sincere but perpetually shallow. It is not good enough to be Spiritually sincere, but perpetually shallow. I could write that phrase, that sentence, over the vast majority of my days in the Baptist churches, of which I've been a part. Many people I know, sincere, but stupid. Sincere, but shallow. Or, as I've otherwise said it so often to you, I trust you're not weary in hearing it. So many of Baptist people are a mile wide and an inch deep. Listen, that doesn't mean that we all have to be professorial, that doesn't mean that we all have to walk around dull and boring. I'm so tired of boring, I'm so tired of dull. One of the great blessings of today's services is, that don't tell Judy, but without the organ today, I could hear you sing. And I enjoyed hearing you sing today. Now, I'd be glad to have the organ back, but I'm just saying, it's good to hear one another voice the truths of God's word in song. It's good to be sincere. It's also good to be deep, stable, rooted, grounded, firm not pushed all over the place. You and I in Christ should not be pushovers. And the world in which we're living will eat up the pushovers. And so you and I should be greatly compelled to get strong in the Lord and in the might of his grace. Six one also informs us that this imperative to carry on Or to progress in Christ required two things in the life of the Hebrews. Number one, there was something to be abandoned. And number two, there was someone to be acknowledged. Something to be abandoned and someone to be acknowledged. Let's see and understand that carrying on in Christ requires leaving something. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. The word leaving here speaks of abandonment. It was in common use, used to speak of departure from a place. We have a number of our families this week that will be preparing to take off on vacation. Some of our families just got back from vacation. Uh, some of you, when you leave here, uh, will be leaving here. And when you're there and you come here, you'll be leaving there. Well, you have the other idea of the word there. Something to leave, something to leave, something to leave. And what is characterized as something to leave sounds like something we should never leave ever. I mean, if I just called you up and said, Time to leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ, you'd say, What is wrong with you, Pastor? You're fired. As soon as I can call the deacons, you're done. And yet, that's exactly what the Word of God says here. It's time, uh, the writer says, it's time for uh, the Hebrews to leave uh, the elementary things. The principles would translate our word modern word, elementary. Uh, uh, it's time to leave the basics. It's time to leave the elementary things of Christ. It was time to leave the the elementary uh, things that add up into the understanding of who Messiah is and what Messiah has done. The Greek here is precise and speaks of leaving the origin of things in a progressive series of truth concerning Messiah or concerning Christ. It's not saying you get away from your salvation. It's not saying get away from faith. It's not saying get away from repenting of your sins. But it is saying you ought to grow up. It is saying that there ought to uh, be a, a, a diligent effort on your part and mind to get beyond uh, uh, our salvation as, uh, as it was construed when we repented of our sins and we exercised our faith in Christ initially. When you remember that this letter is written to Hebrew people, you can begin to understand the thought of abandoning or leaving behind the discussion concerning the coming and identity of Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. That should have been a matter of settled conviction for these Hebrews as they were addressed. It shouldn't yet be up for discussion and further debate. Surely, it's always appropriate to present the truths of Christ to people again and again and again and again and again. But if people are going to grow... If people are going to know for themselves the strength and the stability of God for living, then they have to have a better grasp of the things that God has given to us by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, to the honor of Christ. And so the imperative here is carry on, press on, keep going, don't stop working. Deepen your faith, strengthen your faith, exercise your faith. The idea of messianic anticipation developed progressively over the Old Testament era is indicated by the phrase, not laying again. The foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Now, at what point in time do you quit talking about repentance? Never. Never. Why? Because as long as you're this side of heaven, sin is going to be a factor in your life. At what point in time do you quit talking about faith? Never! Because faith in God is always an issue in your life. But the Uh, writer is saying here to the Hebrews you don't need to lay again that initial sense of your logic that led you to confess your sins led you to lay uh, that heart of repentance before God and trust in the Lord, repentance and faith, or if you will, the initiation of faith in salvation. You need to to get growing. You need to get going. You need to be developing or you're not going to walk strong. You'll hardly walk at all. And so it's a phenomenal appeal to carry on. The Apostle Paul said exactly the same thing to the Corinthians, but in a little different way. Here's how he said it. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But once you know who the foundation is, once you put your faith in Christ, Then it's time to grow and build the superstructure upon that foundation. In other words, it's not the will of God that you would be forever a cement mixer. (laughs) It's not the will of God that you would just be forever laying the foundation and laying the foundation and laying the foundation. Or let me say it in just plain old fashioned terms. It is not the will of God that you would be saved and saved and and then saved again and then saved again and then saved again and then saved again and then saved again. Let me tell you something. I have personal experience when it comes to people that commit such great sins as believers that they find it easier to believe that they need to be saved again than they need to believe that they really should, they really should have been growing in the Lord and stabilizing their life before they fell off the, ba- the way again. There's a whole denomination of churches out there uh, that teach the fact that you can be saved and you can be lost and you can be saved and you can be lost, and some of those dear people have been saved like 20 times already. What a dishonor to the Lord. When the heart turns to the Lord in sincerity and you're not saved once and forever. What the Lord really truly gives, you cannot lose. What the Lord truly has given you, you cannot lose. Once saved, always saved. But as a saved person, you can live like a dog. You can live like an unsaved man. You can commit any sin that any worldling commits. What's the need of the hour? not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God in salvation. What is needed, what should be again and again and again? Well, growth, as Peter said, in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord. Our advancement, our development, spiritually speaking, depends upon the will and the power of God. Listen, you and I don't know what we know about God because we're smarter than other people. You and I know what we know about God because God has dealt with us so wonderfully already. And on that basis, we ought to be so happy to submit ourselves to his sovereign controlling hand and walk with him in truth walk with him progressively and to walk with him in maturity. Uh, That is such a clear indication of God's word again and again and again in the 21 epistles of the New Testament that it is the will of God clearly set before us that we should all be mature Permit me a family memory before we move to the table this morning. My son Jason has always been very pragmatic. As a relatively young boy, he trusted Christ as a Savior, and then after a few years as an older child, he prepared for and was indeed obedient to the Lord in the testimonial waters of baptism. As the pastor in Waterloo, Iowa, it was my joy to conduct that baptismal service of about seven people in the spring of that year that J.P. was baptized. After the service, J.P. hung around so as to ride home with me Before Sunday dinner, Sherry took the car and Justin and went for home. I had the truck and JP. After most of the families were gone, we made our way out to the pickup. We got in, I started it up, we started for home. It was then that Jason asked me a question. I shall never forget. My son said to me, Dad, yes, son, what's next? If you're saved, And you've been obedient to the Lord in the waters of baptism. Believe me when I tell you. There's always a next. You ought to spend your lifetime. Saying to the Lord. What's next? was one of the best conversations I ever had with my son. He initiated it by saying to me, his dad and pastor, <laughs> what's next? You and I today who love the Lord and trust the Lord will partake of the Lord's table in memory of what he did for us at Calvary even as we sung of it this morning. I'd like to add a thought in your mind as you pray, as you pray in that period while the bread is served, as you continue in prayer during that period as the cup is served. I'd like you to not only thank the Lord for what he's done and express your praise to the Lord for what he's done and, and tell the Lord again, thank you for saving me, if in fact you are saved. But may I say to you that today would be a great day to say in prayer before God, Father, what's next? What's next? Because God has called us to a lifetime of maturity, a lifetime of stability, a lifetime of walking with God. Father, one verse in many respects hardly seems enough to set our souls and our minds to be prepared for the fellowship of the Lord's table and yet upon study it indeed is enough and we pray now that you would help us to pre to that to not only prepare our hearts but to participate at the table of our lord with a good sense of understanding prayer and godly purpose. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.